This episode of the FitCast is brought to you by Pedestal Footwear, the company that has engineered the ultimate footwear for those that like to train hard, get the benefits of barefoot training, as well as the grippiness that you would get from a shoe. Check them out at pedestalfootwear.com. Hello, welcome back to the FitCast. My name is Kevin Larrabee, and I'm very happy to have on the show... Someone, you know what? When when you get when you get a call from Dan John and you say I I have someone that I really think that you should talk to, you bet your ass I'm going to answer that call because that is a seal of approval that pretty much beats out anything else in this industry, and that has led me to talking to Ashley Palmer of Nutrition.net. Ashley, how you doing? Hey. Well, I mean, it was great because uh, not only did he recommend you, but then I got to go check out your stuff, and I'm like, oh yeah, no, he's right. Uh, surprise! You know, Dan oh, John was awesome. right. Uh, yeah, he was. He's right about kind of everything, but I don't don't tell him that. Hopefully, he doesn't listen to this because then he'll just give me nothing but crap when I see him next time. But um, <laughs> I, I think maybe the best way to start uh, for the audience and you know just for the show is like, how did you get? Uh, like, how, how do you know Dan John? How did you guys uh, you know start working together? This is actually a really funny story. So. Here's the thing. Dan and I have lived really close for years. I mean, I used to work at a gym where he mentored the gym owner. Oh, so you're in Utah. Yeah. And I never, ever met him. Like that was, how long has it been? Probably seven years Mm -hmm. that I've like, from when he's, I started working at a gym where he was working with the business owner there and never met him and literally lived up the street from him. Right. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until about a year ago when I actually, um, connected with another gym, uh, not gym owner, sorry, um, another trainer here locally and actually sent him a few clients that he was like, Hey, just come work out with us. Um, just come, just come hang out with us if you, if you get a chance. And, um, so I just started working out at Dan's gym. I wasn't like in it to be like, okay, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm here for business help. What can you do for me? I literally just showed up and was part of his community. And I feel like sometimes, you know, when we think about influencers and stuff, we want to like impress them and we want them to like help us out in our business. But mm-hmm. the best thing to do is literally just show up and become part of their community and don't expect anything. And it wasn't until about a year later that I, that he started really helping me with my business and helping my business grow. Um, and honestly, I think that's how it should be. I think it's, it should be like, you should know someone for a good year before you ask them for anything or, um, ex- not that you should expect anything anytime, but right. give it time to build a relationship. So that's kind of what I did. The one thing that was really dumb, like honestly, seven years, I could have called him up and been like, Hey, I want to learn from you. Like, Absolutely why dumb. did you do that? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where, uh, with, with him, I think it was, and you got to keep in mind, this is going to be like episode 393 that we're doing Ashley. And I think I had him <laughs> on episode 10. Um, about 10 years ago. And I think one of the first things that he told me, I was asking him for, for like life advice. And he said, like, the number one thing is to show up like above all else, you know, be the person that, that shows up and, um, everything else kind of, kind of falls into place. And you brought up a great point of like, there's a lot of people in this industry and like, I don't know if you've ever been with him, like at a perform better comp, uh, you know, conference or something like that. But, uh, a lot of times like he will get, 
you know, quite a big crowd around him. And this happens to a lot of presenters, it happens to a lot of people where, you know, they, they take that advantage to not only network and just, you know, meet people that they follow, but sometimes people also make the mistake of, you know, basically trying to see what, what, you know, these people can do for, for them. Yeah. Um, so that's a great point to kind of, you know, you know, build relationships first. And that's uh that's a great way to get kind of shuttered in the industry is to try to always ask, 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 and uh, not yeah. get back yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So true. That's awesome. You had him on so long ago. Yeah. We're both, we're both very old men now. Um, so when, when you guys started, I guess, uh, conversing and you started, uh, training with him and this is literally like I was at his house a couple weeks ago in his garage. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a lot of times, um, how did that relationship build? Because when I was talking to him through email and stuff like that, he, he mentioned like how big of a help that you've been for, uh, for him and for the people that have been, you know, going in and out of there in terms of nutrition. Um, honestly showing, like showing up, right? Like I, I showed up to the gym and then I showed up to brunch afterwards and talked and didn't talk business. Mm-hmm. You know, you show up and you do, um, get to know people. I brought my toddler to brunch a few times and he spit milk all over everyone. Like the first week I met Dan, that was awesome. Perfect. Um, um, but just show up and be a good, decent person. And at some point, um, Dan had a friend who's a track coach at the local college and the track coach needed some help with his athletes and was like, Hey, will you, will you just do a seminar for them? And it was kind of, you know, it was, it was just these college athletes, but it was a big break in the sense that Dan John was watching that. And from there he was like, okay, she knows her stuff. And from there it kind of, it kind of grew. So it's kind of one of those, like, don't make, don't assume any opportunity is too small. Mm. Um, so what, what, what is, I mean, maybe I, if I was a better host, I would have asked a little bit more uh, about your background, but you've been doing this stuff for, for, for a while. And, you know, again, you've had a lot of success and again, what was probably, you know, most impressive was kind of like the, the way that you approach nutrition, uh, with people, because we, we, we live in an industry where what usually does sell the best, but is not the most effective is, Hey, you know what? I'm going to get you the results that you want in 30 days. You just give me 30 yeah. days and you'll be done. But that's, that's just not real. Um, and you know, we, uh, yeah. So maybe we should start with that before I just make this question, 48,000 questions. I guess like, you know, uh, you know, your background, I guess how you kind of like evolved over the years in terms of, you know, yeah. approaching nutrition and helping people. Yeah. So I actually, um, I didn't come from a fitness background. I was a trauma nurse and I was a trauma nurse who was kind of like a fitness weekend warrior on the side. I was into Mm -hmm. like triathlon racing and CrossFit and all the things that someone who's not really in the fitness industry is into. Um, and I also developed somewhat of an eating disorder and never clinically diagnosed, but Mm -hmm. I just, a lot of stress around food and, it actually took me switching jobs. I became a nurse in an eating disorder treatment center that I realized, oh my gosh, I have a problem here. Mm. Like there's something wrong with me. Like I've, I've got to fix me too. So that was kind of a, that was kind of a motivation for me to go back to grad school and study real nutrition and kind of separate the fad from the science. And from there, I just really been passionate about helping people create results in a way that doesn't take over their lives and actually 
gives them sustainable success in the long term. What do you see are like the big, the big, uh, the big reasons for failure uh, when it comes to? Because I'm sure there's there's tons of people that are listening to this show that have tried multiple different approaches to their nutrition, but always seem to kind of fall back on uh, previous. I, I guess you would call them, you know, bad habits or, or previous um, uh, habits that did not get them to where they wanted to go. Um, a couple things. One thing I'd say for sure is consistency, right? And everyone probably talks about this, but I mean like consistency with the important things. Mm-hmm. I see a lot of people who are either 100% tracking their macros, eating nothing but chicken and broccoli, or they're like eating pizza every night. Right. Um, yeah. Whereas consistency in something important, like consistency in learning how to cook for yourself at home, mm-hmm. consistency in eating mostly unprocessed foods, like consistency in the big things. And don't worry about how much protein you're getting at first. Don't worry about, you know, should I be eating more carbs and more fat? Like that stuff is not going to make a difference in the long term compared to these really big things. Mm-hmm. So I think I actually kind of said both one and two, because number two was really focusing on the things that matter the most and will get you the most results and a a really fun and enjoyable lifestyle, right? Like it's really not fun to have to spend every moment of every day counting everything. It's fun to learn how to cook. It's fun to learn how to take a produce box and turn it into a bunch of delicious recipes. Mm -hmm. So focusing on the things that matter would be the second thing. Uh. Maybe maybe this is a good place to kind of jump off uh, as well because you you mentioned like the consistency and you know the problem that people do run into a lot is like it just becomes too much of a pain in the ass you know mm-hmm. it too, becomes too much of a pain in the ass to, to track all this stuff to make sure like all right was this a good day like I don't know like did I yeah. do the calculations right so um, like how do you how do you like to have people keep track of what they're doing throughout the day to make sure that, you know, they are following the plan and not also spending, you know, an hour a day tracking all this stuff. I love this. Such a good question. So I am obsessed with checklists. I mean, obsessed. You're Um, a checklist manifesto. Yeah. I, I, I am the walking, talking advertisement for checklists. I wonder Um, if this also is partially due to your, your background in hospitals. Well, I was going to say, actually, this is a big part of it. So when I was an ICU nurse, we had a set of checklists that we had to follow every single day for every single patient head of the bed elevated to 30 degrees to prevent aspiration, Mm -hmm. um, you know, alternating compression boots to prevent blood clots. And we just had this checklist and we're talking like, 30-year nursing veterans, people who are flight nurses, who work like on the, um, you know, the front lines of trauma, they're Mm -hmm. following these exact same checklists every single day. And what research has found was that when people use these checklists, we decreased hospital mortality by huge amounts. Mm -hmm. And it was such a big deal. And at the same time, it sounds like such simple things, right? But even forgetting one of them can kind of be a problem. Well, it's not like, I mean, it's not that hard to imagine when you do see stories, not regularly, but semi-regularly where, you know, people go into surgery and they get the wrong like leg amputated yeah. or like the wrong, yeah. the wrong side is, is worked on or the wrong organ gets removed or operated on. So, um, I mean, if people haven't checked it out, the checklist manifesto is a really great book that you should go and, and check out. It's probably a good book club episode, but, um, 
definitely worth worth reading to make sure that you are being consistent in what you're doing, whether it be, I mean, we're talking about nutrition now, but um, we also use it a lot at our gym at, at Mike Ball Strength and Conditioning for making sure that we're just delivering a great consistent experience across the board. Yeah, I actually have a checklist. Can I share my checklist? I'm going to be Hell yeah. next week. If, if you go to nutrition.net slash checklist, it's not up yet, but it will be probably by the time this episode airs. Perfect. So it's my, it's, it's my checklist for my clients and for even, you know, anyone who's interested, basically the very, very basics. If you, if you haven't gotten these basics down and it's a monthly, weekly, and daily checklist, Mm -hmm. if you don't have these basics down, don't even worry about macros. Don't even worry about how sets and reps of your training. Like this is the very, very basic stuff. Mm -hmm. So so, so what do you got? Give me, give me, give me a couple. Tease, tease me a little bit. <laughs> okay. Well, monthly it's things like planning your workouts, having a full month workout plan. Mm-hmm. Cause one thing I've found with a lot of people is that it becomes really easy to program hop and you might do something for one week, something for another week, something for three days and be like, nothing's working. Absolutely. You yeah. Got to stick to some things and you've got to have a plan. So that's one of my monthly things. One of my weekly things is similar to the monthly is, planning and preparing your meals ahead of time. And I don't mean, you know, prepping every single meal into containers if you don't want, but knowing what you're going to eat, having the food available and having a plan for turning it into actual meals. Mm-hmm. And then daily, um, I'm trying to think of what's on my daily list. Sleep's one of the big things on my daily list, like getting adequate sleep. So, so, I mean, that's always easy to say is like, you know, what, you know, get, get enough sleep, but, um, you know, we I don't want to say we all suck at it. I definitely do suck at it. I hate sleeping. I think sleeping is a huge waste of time. I understand there's <laughs> tons of benefits, but psychologically, my body is always like, can I get up yet? Is there, had, have I slept enough to feel like I've recovered and I can actually function today? So um, do you, what, do you, what do you do for, for people that do tend to be, you know, have poor sleeping habits? Is that something that you try to address, you know, right away? Yeah. Yeah. So I... Um I'm no stranger to poor sleeping habits because I was a night shift nurse. I wasn't exactly. Yeah. But, um, here's what I've found and I've been focusing on sleep more and more with my clients because I've noticed in my coaching groups, I do group coaching that there's this segment of the population that gets really good results and this segment of the population that's kind of struggling the whole time. Mm -hmm. And then towards the end, we start working on sleep. And then all of a sudden the people who are struggling and having a harder time are like, Oh my gosh, now I'm getting it. Mm-hmm. And so for some people, sleep's not a problem. You know, for some people, they're getting good sleep, doing great. But for the people where sleep is a problem, it makes such a big difference. Mm-hmm. Um, and here's what I found, too, is that it's not about getting perfect sleep. I remember when I was a night shift nurse, I was really, really focused on trying to figure it out and get this like perfect plan for how do I bounce back between night shifts and day shifts. And... What I found is that it's it's never going to be perfect. You're never going to get it perfect. The goal is to find a way to have better sleep. Mm-hmm. For example, maybe, and this is, you know, of course, this is a <laughs> a dorky recommendation. Wear your blue light glasses an hour before you get off your night shift so that you can sleep better. Get blackout curtains. Mm-hmm. Finding one or two things you can do to make your sleep better. For a lot of people, that even means don't check your phone in the middle of the night. Like... That's that's impossible. Three, I swear to God, and this is for me. I, and I've talked to multiple people about this. I am I'm super bad at like, 
All right, get up at 3 or 4 a.m. to go pee. Um, yeah, I'm, of course I'm going to check Twitter because I want to make sure the world is still working. Because if the world's <laughs> not working, it's something I should get up and go deal with, right? But this it is, so it's funny. a bad habit. Yeah, it's, it's pretty addictive stuff, huh? Um, yeah, I've found that with my clients who do make an effort to turn off that phone and get like an analog clock in your room so you can check it in the middle of the night, you know? Um, they've found that it really helps their sleep habits and they don't have perfect sleep habits still, mm-hmm. but just those one or two big changes make a big difference. Yeah. Any percentage points that you can, you know, try to add on to that are, are going to be super beneficial for you. Yeah. Um, I, maybe we'll, we'll take a step back for, for a second because, you know, again, it's, um, you know, coming from, from Dan, John, a guy that, you know, has been doing this stuff for a long time, you seem to have had a really big impact on, on himself and, you know, the people that he's worked with in his family in terms of, uh, nutrition. So, uh, I guess what, what advice or, or how did you, how did you help those guys out? Hmm. That's a really good question. It's, it's um, potentially a gigantic question, but you can kind of go wherever you'd like with it. <laughs> well, I think it's, I think it's important to understand that there's different levels of motivation when it comes to nutrition and different people need different things. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really important place to start. And this is something I've talked to Dan about quite a bit um, because most people in the fitness industry, their their physical fitness is part of how they make money, right? Their, totally. their ability to get clients. And, and, you know, we hate that, right? We hate that, like, at least for women, some of us really struggle with that. Yeah, like the way I look does determine whether or not I get clients. But part of that's just a reality. Um yeah, it's a, it's a weird. I mean, this maybe we'll we'll stick on that for for just a second because yeah. I mean, selfishly, this is something that has come up a couple times in the in the show because it's it's like a really bad barometer of finding a good coach. Right. Um, as as someone that has been doing this for a long time and that has you know talked to a lot of people and knows a lot of people, like finding the best coaches, uh, not almost always, but you know, a lot of times it really doesn't have to do with with their physique. Sometimes the people that are the, you know, the fitness competitor looking, uh, folks, those are usually the ones with, and you know, they're busting their butts, but a lot of times it's partially due to, you know, genetics as well. Um, we're kind of pre-built as humans to do what we excel at because you're not going to go like someone that is four foot 11, isn't going to say, I'm going to go play in the NBA because, you know, genetically they're not necessarily pre-tuned for that, that journey to go on. But, you know, uh, I think some of the best people in the industry are the ones that have seen both sides, right? Mm -hmm. They've, they've been 50 pounds overweight or they battled with a, uh, with, uh, eating disorders, or, um, they've seen a little bit more of, of what it's like to be on the other side than someone that is, you know, the guy that's always been 10% body fat. And it has nothing to do about how much that he wants to help the person. And I'm sure there's no doubt in my mind, everyone that's in this industry is to help people and to make them better. Um, but I think there is some added benefit to have seen um, something other than, you know, perfect, perfect body fat and perfect eating habits. Um, and exactly. yeah, and, and like kind of like a- along with that, and this is Sometimes I'm more you, Ashley. Sometimes I go on long rants because I, I interview <laughs> people. Yeah, I interview people, and like sometimes I don't get. Uh, you know, I, I like to 
selfishly uh, put my piece in there too. But um, this is something I've been thinking about uh, a lot because there's also a lot of people in the industry that um, may be those genetically gifted people that also do potential, I don't want to say potential harm because actually I'm sure you've seen the people on social media, like your Instagrams and your Facebooks or something like that. The people that are in great shape, but then they post, and this is something I can't believe. This is something that has been like a new trend on Instagram is people that post that are like fitness competitors that post their binge eating like oh, pictures. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. Like, and, and it's like a weird psychological game that's being played, right? Where people are like, Oh, well, if they're doing it, maybe it's okay for me. Like those are, or yeah, maybe those eating habits aren't too bad because look at that, you know, genetic Marvel that is able to, to do it. And, um, it is, it is getting more and more confusing for the consumer or the person that is trying to get help when they're getting all this stuff thrown at them, you know, 24, seven or 3am when they're checking their phone. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's so hard. It's so hard to, it's, you're right. That physical barometer isn't the best thing to determine who's a good coach and who's not. Um, and it's such a big conversation. I feel like this, that conversation needs its own like five episodes probably. Totally. Um, so maybe I guess a better example of that is for example, a professional athlete, Mm -hmm. right? So that level of motivation where their life and livelihood or livelihood, at least in this case, depends on how they eat they need a different level of coaching than someone who's just like a nine-to-five desk worker or a Mm stay-at-home mom and just wanting to get healthier and fit exactness doesn't matter as much for the mom the uh the uh office worker Mm -hmm. but at the same time it's there's so many more competing, what's the word, competing uh, focuses. Absolutely, yeah. If it's not their first priority. So first we have to understand, like, what's what's motivating this person? And if it's and if it's not, if it can't be their very first priority, it just can't be their first priority. Like, that's... <laughs> as, as you can hear in the background, sometimes family's priority number one. Yeah. Right? Can you hear my son? Is that what you're saying, Matt? But that's the, that's, yeah, but that's like what it's all about, right? I mean, this, this is, this is the thing that we kind of get locked in. And by the way, I have no problem with the sun in the background. Let me preface that because it is cute and it's fun. Yeah. And it sounds like he's having a blast, which I'm all for. (laughs) But, um, the, I mean, that's the thing that we, we run into as, as coaches when we try to help other people is we're trying to necessarily think, all right, where can we fit in this, this thing that we're trying to work on as, uh, in, in this huge list of priorities that they already have where um, we can't necessarily just throw something out. We need to try to, you know, fit it in with the, maybe this is a better analogy, Ashley. I'm sorry. I rant sometimes. And like I said, sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. But think about like a glass, like you can only fit so much water in that glass, right? So you got to try to fit in what we're trying to do with this nutrition stuff. And that's why people like you, Ashley, are so important when we're trying to reframe this stuff to help people think that they can make this stuff possible and not have it dominate their life. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, another thing that, um, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll talk, maybe I'm going to save this one for later, but, um, okay. So, so going forward, like were, were there things that, that you kind of noticed, um, 
like like you notice in general when you start going to help people that is almost across the board like yeah these are things that need to be these are things that need to be addressed or common things that people can can clean up you mentioned uh you know scheduling like having uh, our checklists for for daily weekly and and monthly things to make sure that you're doing but um on like a day-to-day basis uh nutrition wise are there any kind of staples that you like to have um in people's nutrition plans like not and let's pretend like it's someone that has no they're not vegan they're not yeah. uh vegetarian but just like in general that you like to kind of check off to get things going on the right track um honestly so like i said there's like this baseline level of let's be consistent with these really really big things before we even worry about specifics so my very very top of the line big things number one my son doesn't sound so happy anymore sorry Um, (laughs) (laughs) number one is moving your body every day Yes. Getting movement in. And we're not talking about to burn calories. We're not talking about to specifically like create mu- muscle hypertrophy. Mm-hmm. We're talking about creating a better level of well-being, feeling more mentally strong because of it, and really recognizing how good your body can feel. Yes. Yes. And I, I, I maybe even uh, bouncing off of that is, you know, the idea that you can just jump on a bike and go outside for, for 30 minutes. That's been so huge for me now that it's warmed up is, um, not necessarily just moving, but doing movement that you enjoy. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's, that's, you know, people get stuck in the mud of, should I be doing this program? Should I be doing that program? Or they go all out high intensity every single day and they feel like crap every day. Mm -hmm. And we've got to find a way to help people move. And probably the people that are listening to you aren't aren't the people I need to talk to about this. You know, they're probably great at regular movement. Um, well, I don't know. I, I think, I think a lot of people that listen to the show may be, you know, the people that are just constantly looking for, you know, the motivation or the next thing, or just a, a little bit of help yeah. to, to get them, you know, one or 2% more. Yeah. And I think, I think changing the motivation for why we move is a really, really big part of it. Yes. Instead of like, okay, I'm going to move so I can burn more calories. I'm going to move so I can, um, you know, change the way I look, focus on feeling good, being, becoming more physically capable and feeling more confident about yourself. There's something really cool that happens when you do start lifting more and more weight or running faster or whatever you choose Mm -hmm. is that you start to realize that, okay, I can do harder things. I can increase my capacity to do things. And that's such a big mental boost for so many people. Just going to pause for a second to talk to you guys again about pedestal footwear. And I really hope, you know, you listened last week, you went onto their website and you picked up two pairs and you gave them a shot. You get free shipping if you pick up two pairs of the socks and you're going to be good to go for a while because those two pairs are going to last you throughout a week. And then they're going to last you, you know, a long time before you're going to need to pick up a new pair. So for about 50 bucks, you get two pairs of their incredible socks and they're not like, I don't even like to think of them as socks. They're, they're, footwear. They are a replacement for shoes. So you're going to be wearing these in place of you know, your 100 or $200 pairs of shoes that you're going to be wearing in the gym. And again, you're going to get the benefits 
a barefoot training, as well as the benefits of the grippiness of a shoe. So you're not going to be limited by what you can do. You're still going to be able to do your your lateral plyometrics. You're going to still be able to do some change of direction stuff. And again, you're going to be able to transition right into the weight room and then do your deadlifts, do your single leg movements, and just really have great foot contact with the ground and feel like you have like a grippiness, a solid foundation. For things like kettlebell swings, it's just like world changing. So give them a look at pedestalfootwear.com and really seriously go and pick out two pairs pick out two pairs you're going to get free shipping and then they're going to come to your door and give them a shot you you are like it's really hard to describe this unless you go and give it a shot yourself and you're going to be like wow i really you know what have i been doing kind of like buying these pairs of shoes that are breaking down all the time and when i can pick up these socks and just get really the best of both worlds and like I mentioned multiple times in the past, trust me, I'm never going to talk about stuff on this show that I don't fully believe in. So it has my stamp of approval. Give them a look at pedestalfootwear.com. How do you help people out in like the social circumstances of, of nutrition? Because that's where a lot of people kind of go off the rails when it comes to not only social situations, but maybe the broader concept of justification of, of the things that they make in terms of nutrition choices. And a lot of that happens socially because you see, you know, well, everyone else is going out and doing this. So I'm going to jump in as well. Or, or, mm-hmm. or maybe yeah. I guess that, and also like, you know, where, how can you help people, you know, indulge a little bit, but without going overboard? That's a great question. So I'm going to go back to finishing answering the last question yeah, because sorry. I think that ties to it. Absolutely. Um, I, I'm, I'm the king of answering or asking 14 questions in one long sentence. So No, that's fine. So so you'd asked about like the, the most basic things. Sure. And here's the thing. My first thought is consistency is the most important thing for nutrition. Mm-hmm. So what you're doing 99% of the time is going to matter a lot more than what you do in that one social situation. So let's fix that 99% first. Mm-hmm. And then we'll address the social situations. So very, very basics. Cook most of your food at home. Eat mostly fresh, unprocessed foods. Mm. Huge, huge definition there in mostly whole unprocessed foods. And by that, I don't mean cutting out any food groups. Right. Um, and then really eating slowly and mindfully. Like really paying attention to your food and enjoying it when you're eating. So those are kind of my three big things. The movement, the mindfulness, and then mostly fresh home cooked foods whenever you can. What what right. can we do in terms of like mindfulness? Because when when I think of that, it's like I, I understand like maybe I should you know, be paying more attention to to what I'm eating and and, and how I'm feeling. But um, how do you like people to to visualize that or I guess you know uh, conceive it mentally? So this is actually something. This is like a long term project for me. Something I've been working on because I've seen so many good results for even myself from eating more mindfully, but it is so, mm-hmm. it's so hard. We all have our phones with us. We've got like a thousand different distractions. We have our, <laughs> our kids who are throwing food. At least I have a kid who's throwing food, you know, yeah, God bless you. <laughs> it's, it's so hard. And so it's been a long-term project of mine to, um, work on like a set of exercises you can focus on that can, you basically focus on one for, for a week or Mm -hmm. however long. And it just focuses in on one aspect of that mindfulness. Um, so it may be like, for example, in one week it'll be, okay, I'm going to focus on how my fork feels in my hand as I'm eating, Mm -hmm. which feels, which sounds kind of weird and kind of fluffy. But what happens is when you're focusing on that sensation of, okay, this is what my fork feels like, it brings you back into this present moment. 
of, oh, hey, check out what I'm eating. Mm-hmm. Hey, I'm paying attention to this. So it redirects your focus to what you're actually doing. And, and you're like totally right. I'm, I'm someone that like, I think you call it fluffy, but I, I thought it was like a whole bunch of bullshit um, <laughs> when when people were telling me to um, like I've been working with uh, Chris Scott Dixon, uh, who's who's been helping me with some of this stuff. And um, again, it was the whole you know mindfulness where. I didn't do it until I started paying someone to tell me to do it. And then I was like, Oh yeah, no. Oh, it does work. Oh, maybe I just needed to, you know, pay someone to make myself, uh, or convince myself like, yeah, this, this, this does make sense. But that is, that's so huge. And that's something that people shouldn't just gloss over. Yeah. Yeah. And then, another part of the mindfulness is also recognizing when we're mindlessly eating, right? Like when we're totally, eating over the sink or eating potato chips at our desk at work. And we're not really hungry. We don't really need the food, but mm-hmm. yeah. So I, that's I, all part of it. Yeah. And I, and I think, uh, you know, a big part of it as well is, uh, you know, allow, like, I don't, I don't, how do you feel about this? Like allowing yourself to do a little bit of research on yourself, you know? And, and what I mean by that is like, don't be afraid to make yourself like a little bit of a laboratory and think, mm-hmm. All right, so I just went out to the store and I just bought a pint of ice cream. Why did I do that? And uh, how did I feel when I bought it? How did I feel when I was eating it? Was I able to eat it slowly or did I, like you just said, mindlessly eat it and just scarf it all down? Um, And all right, well, let's just record that and think and see if I can recognize it again and not just continue on a mindless path because I mean, I'm guessing, all right, I guess my question for you is like, has that been something that you've seen as like a big thing? If you can just get people to stop the mindless eating to understand or be conscious, uh, conscious when they're, when they're eating that it, it helps quite a bit. I think you hit on something super important, which is that curiosity is probably the biggest tool for creating long-term change. Hmm. If you can be curious as to what, why is this going on? You know, oh, I have a stomachache tonight. What's, what's really going on here? Or, Mm. huh, I just went out and bought a pint of ice cream. What's really going on here? That curiosity, that natural curiosity of what, why am I doing this? Or why do I feel this way? Or why, why haven't I been able to eat at home all week? And just Mm. being able to be curious is so big. Because it's what sets us up for success the next day, the next week, the next month. That's yeah, that's super, super, super great points. Um, A a couple of things that I I, want to ask you about, and I I forgot uh, earlier on where we're I'm. I know we live in a world where we don't want to train men and women necessarily differently. There are still going to be cases where you are. But um, my I guess my question for you is, you know, physiologically, men and women are quite different, especially when it comes to nutrition stuff. So mm-hmm. uh, any special considerations for, for men or for women that we should keep in mind? That is a, such a great question. Um, the thing I think to consider is that our society and our brains look at portion sizes pretty similarly hmm. um, so that you know, men and women are served the same size burrito at Chipotle and it's going to get the feminists mad. I'm sorry. This is not what I mean. I'm not saying women should get smaller burritos. I'm saying that most women need less food. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it actually becomes harder for, you know, we hear about how, Oh, you know, my husband started, started trying to get fit and he lost 20 pounds right away and I'm still struggling with five. Mm -hmm. Um, and a lot of that has to do with, this kind of equality of portion sizes. Mm -hmm. 
and being aware of that and being aware that as women, we don't have as high of metabolisms as men, partially because we have less body mass to begin with. And it's okay that our portion sizes are necessarily a little smaller. Um, mm-hmm. I even my husband eats so much food. I mean, he he's, <laughs> he's always struggled to gain weight. Um, I helped him put on 20 pounds after we started dating. It was, it was like the best <laughs> thing for him ever. Um, oh, oh, but we might have to come back to that okay. because I'm, I'm, I, I, I will also like to maybe talk to you about helping your, you know, your partner or the person that you're seeing yeah. with nutrition stuff, because that has to be a sensitive, a very sensitive yeah. subject, especially if you're a guy, you know, trying to give nutrition information for yeah. uh, a woman. But I think it could be just as sensitive uh, both ways. Yeah, for sure. Sorry, um, so continue. I'm going to yeah, put that, put a note. What I, I was going to say with that is that, so there's research that's been shown that we eat about as much as the people around us eat. If mm-hmm, we go and sit right. down at a meal with people who are eating more food, we're likely to eat more food. If we go and sit down at a meal with people who are eating less food, we're likely to eat less food. I mean, I saw this last week. One of my really good friends came into town. Um, she moved away after college and she stayed with us for a few days and she is tiny. I mean, like probably six inches shorter than me, probably 30 pounds less than me. It's just her natural frame. Mm -hmm. It's tiny. And we just, we spent the days together with, with our kids and, I noticed that every night I'd be going to bed. I'm like, gosh, I'm hungry. I'm really hungry. Cause I naturally ate less when I was around someone who was eating less. Hmm. Yeah, totally. And, and it's so, um, it's so true all the time too. So say we're in a mixed group where there's more men, more women, women are likely going to eat a little bit more than they need. Well, yeah, and the guys are going to go and order all the apps. They're going to yep. they're going to they're going to order way more food than the women would normally eat. And like, you know, well, it's it's there. So Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, so specifically men and women, the big um big differences would be first of all that portion size difference and recognizing that it's okay you don't need to eat all of it. And part of that comes down to really recognizing awareness of your own hunger or satisfaction. Mm-hmm. Another thing with women is going to be the monthly <laughs> monthly curse, as I like to call it. <laughs> because our hormones mess with our hunger a lot. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's another big consideration for women as well. So, so are, are there maybe... Are there, are there tips that you can have for, for women that are, you know, on or near their period where they can almost like prep and know, like, I know like the storm is coming and that's probably a terrible analogy, but um, (laughs) like, like here, I I understand what's going to be coming up. So I'm going to prep ahead of time to make sure, um, you know, I, I have a good solid plan going into this. I think that's actually a great analogy because that's kind of what it feels like. Um, (laughs) but a couple things to consider. One is the more consistent your habits are and the more consistent your nutrition is the whole month, the better you'll feel during that time. Mm-hmm. And there's been, there's been research to show that people who eat nutritious, well-rounded meals tend to have fewer cravings during their period. Um, the other thing to consider is that appetite will increase a little and that's okay. That's normal. Just go with it, mm-hmm. but don't use that as a license to, eat everything and anything. Right. There's going to be a small bump in appetite 
it's okay if there's a small bump in what, how much you eat. Mm -hmm. So I think those are probably my biggest things. The other thing is people who are overly restrictive tend to binge during their period. That's pretty much a given. Uh, very, very good points. Um, so let's let's go back to. Um, I'm curious of advice on on, on working with uh, again, kind of like working with your your partner on this stuff, <laughs> or even like giving advice for friends can sometimes be be difficult because it's a very sensitive situation for a lot of people. So, any advice on that? Yeah. So when I met my husband, he was an ex college athlete. He has just graduated from college, and I remember going to his house. He lived in this bachelor pad with like six other guys. And I was like, okay, where's your food? He had frozen pizzas and cereal and a bowl. That's all he owned. Rock solid. <laughs> like he owned like a bowl, bowl, a spoon and a cup, like nothing else in the house was his. Mm -hmm. And it was so funny to me. Um, it was a little shocking actually for me at the time, but what was what actually worked was never being like, dude, you suck at eating. Like that's right. not the way to do it. Right. But really helping to change the environment. So this is why another reason why I really, really recommend cooking and eating at home when you can is because you're changing that food environment for everyone in your house. Yeah. It's uh, it's, it's not a, like that's what it is. It's, it's a food environment, right? Like mm -hmm. it is, it is like trying to change the whole, uh, you know, atmosphere that you're living in because then you're, I mean, that's even harder when you have people that also are living with you that can handle, you know, having some of the stuff in the, in, in the house where, you know, maybe if you see like the ice cream in the freezer, freezer, or you see the, you know, whatever the cookies in the cupboard, like that is something that you may not be able to control as much as they can. Yeah. Yeah, and that's another that's another interesting one. I was struggling for a while with my son's goldfish crackers, which they're not even that good, right? <laughs> it's just he's eating them, but and they're around, and I'm mm -hmm. like, what? So I started buying individual serving packs of goldfish crackers. Yeah, yeah. And I just hand him one, like problem solved right there. Um, let me see, let me see. The, the The other thing that I want to hit on is um, you mentioned before, like, all right, well, we got to cover these specific bases first before we get to too crazy in terms of the, the nutrition stuff and, and making all these rules. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I know the question that you must get asked a lot is, all right, well, you know, what supplement should I be taking? What should I be doing to at least make sure that I am, you know, covering up any uh, inadequate nutrition or just to make sure that I am getting the most uh, out of what I could be doing on a day-to-day -day basis? So that's a really interesting question because here's one of the coolest things I learned in grad school is that for most of us, we live in a nutrient abundance society where we've already eliminated all of our nutrient deficiency related diseases. Mm -hmm. Like scurvy just doesn't. Yeah, exactly. You know? So for most people, eating well-rounded whole foods covers your basis. Yeah, I think I think a lot of people will, will kind of look at, you know, again, we, we deal with all this advertising and stuff when it comes to to supplements and people think yeah. that they should be, you know, loading up the cupboard with stuff. But man, like even myself, like I'm down to, like, I think I have three things, uh, four, yeah. four if I count caffeine, but, um, like <laughs> I have like basically a multivitamin, I, I still, you know, have fish oil and I have, uh, I have vitamin D in the winter. That's about yeah. it. Actually, that's, that's pretty much a pretty standard recommendation for me is fish oil, probiotics, vitamin D, mm -hmm. um, 
I don't even think, I think for many people, multivitamins probably aren't even necessary. The one exception would be, um, women who are expecting or hoping to expect that prenatal prenatal stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's really essential. And then the multivitamins kind of like sixes. Some people might Mm. feel better with it. Some people might not. And just, just go with how you feel with that. Cause most people will get their needs met if they're eating a very diet, whole foods, unprocessed. Yeah, I think um, what I was what was I going to say? Um, I told, but yeah, I just use it as a like a, like a coverall, like a backup, yep. uh, especially when I'm when I'm doing traveling and you know I, oh, yeah. I travel a lot now and I'm in spending a lot of nights in hotels and sometimes you're not always able to, you know, get to the you know the great salad shop or something <laughs> like that or, or have like a, exactly. a great a great lineup of nutrition. So it's more just a um, you know it's a backup. It's a it's it's my safety breaks uh, yeah. for that kind of stuff. Um, uh, before we do, uh, wrap up and, and I just want to let people know, um, make sure that you're already going to nutrition.net. That's Y O U T R I T I O N, uh, dot net. That's where you can get more of Ashley's stuff, uh, on there. You get more information on, on coaching and, and getting in touch with her and also, um, has a great lineup of, of articles on there that you can go and, and check out and read some more on the stuff that we were talking about, uh, today. And also, uh, Maybe the thing that was um, really making me kind of have my mouth water was the the recipes that you had on there. Some good recipes for, um, I think it was the pumpkin protein smoothie or something like that that I was oh, looking yeah. at. And I was like, oh my god, okay, yeah, I got to figure out, I got to go make that. Um, There's an ice cream version too. Oh Jesus! There's a pumpkin chocolate chip ice cream version. Oh God! All right, well, I know what I'm doing this weekend. Well, actually, I'm going to go to Chicago this weekend. But I knew what I'm. But I'm back on Sunday. I'm going to go to the grocery store. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm going to get preps for that but um yeah go make it uh go make sure that you go and and check out what she has going on over there but um i know before we do wrap up like any kind of final like thoughts that that people you know should have in the back of their head when it comes to just like being successful with this stuff because i think we just uh far too often we see too much failure um when it comes to nutrition and it's not necessarily on the part of the people that are trying to make the changes but um it's more so on not necessarily having the best possible plan or listening to too many people at once, not having a clear path. So um, I was just wondering if you just have any general final thoughts on that. I think the big thing to know whether you're, you're making changes that will stick is can you put it in the background and still be successful in the sense that nutrition should not be a focus in your life for most people. Mm. You know, if you're not a nutrition professional, if you're not someone who's helping other people in that sense, so to speak, Nutrition should be quietly humming in the background, doing its job with a few tweaks here and there. That is an awesome way to put it. It should just be running. Like, it's just like the fridge is over there. It's running. I'm not even worried about it. Yep, exactly. And it's when we get to that point, that's when we know things are going to stick. That's some good stuff. Um, All right. Well, you know, everyone out there, make sure that you go and check out the website. Again, it is uh, nutrition.net. And again, uh, there are not only great recipes on there, but just some some great posts. uh, So you can really get on track. We're We're in the summer right now. We should be enjoying our summer, getting all the good fresh fruits and vegetables that we have available to us and uh, really enjoying the summer outside. I mean, it it's warmed up in Utah, right? Oh, my gosh, it's hot. Okay. Okay. I was just, I was just making sure. Um, but the, uh, 
the thing is just go have some fun guys and try to make, make nutrition the, the least stressful part of your life. And, uh, again, Ashley has some great ideas on how to make that happen. So go check out what she has going on. And yeah, I think that that is probably going to, to wrap it up for this. Um, before we do go, I just always love to mention, thank you to the Patreon supporters at patreon.com slash the fit uh, means so much that people are supporting this show and helping me produce it every single week. Uh, it means a, a lot. And hopefully you went and checked out our sponsor for this week, pedestal footwear. I probably talked to them in the middle of the show, but Man, if you haven't gone and checked out those socks, they are fantastic. And uh, Ashley, thank you so much for for taking the time to to jump on and and chat about some of this stuff and make sure that we can get people, uh, you know, living their lives and not necessarily having to worry about nutrition every single minute of it. <laughs> well, thanks for having me. All right, guys, that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Don't forget to go into iTunes, subscribe on there, submit reviews. Those help as well. And until next time, uh, thanks so much for for listening. We will see you next week. Take care. <laughs>